1: Hello everyone, welcome to the NFL Week 2 episode of the Bacon Bets Podcast. Week 1, the first week of the 2022 NFL season is in the books, or at least by the time you're listening to this, it's in the books I'm recording. this just at the start of the second half between the Broncos and the Seahawks on Monday night, so I might get a little bit of a live reaction to my Seahawks plus 6.5 pick, and in terms of how I did in Week 1, well, it actually comes down to this pick. I'm currently sitting at 7-8, I believe for a very small loss. If the Seahawks can cover plus 6.5 and and they're up 17-13 as of this second, I'll be 8-8 for a slight profit because of uh, the fact I hit three Moneyline Underdog winners, including uh, Giants at plus 205 in Week 1. So, big game, big result for me. So far, so good. But I'm sure this is the NFL. I'm sure things could go south in a hurry as Russell Wilson completes a big pass. Uh, so, uh, what I'm going to do? Uh, if you listen to this last year, you might uh, be curious as to why I'd be recording this on Monday night. I'm going to start. Re- I'm going to release these this year on Tuesday mornings as opposed to Wednesday mornings uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, a little bit of a longer shelf life, give you a little bit of a longer time to listen to it. Number two. I'm trying to aim for CLV this season. I'm trying to see if I can get some CLV. And if you don't know what that stands for, it stands for closing line value. The past two years, I recorded these on Tuesday nights, and whatever the odds were on Tuesday night, those would be the ones I would lock in. I'm not doing that this year. I'm giving myself a little bit of a disadvantage by not doing that or by doing that. So this year, I'm locking in most of my bets on Sunday night. If I don't lock them in on Sunday night when the lines get released, I'll lock them in sometime Monday. So the lines are going to be giving you, and they are the reason why I can do this as well. By the way, because I'm using Betstamp. If you haven't using, if you're not using Betstamp to track your bets, I certainly recommend it. They're all verified. So once the games are complete, you'll see the picks will show up on my Betstamp profile. They're verified at the at the lines that I got in. So nobody can accuse me of making up lines that didn't exist. Um. This is how you are supposed to make money long-term, is you're supposed to get it at a good line before the line moves throughout the week, and if I don't block in my picks until Tuesday night like I did the past two years, the line has already moved uh, for the most part by then. So I'm trying to see if I can get some CLV. I did in a few games last week, I think overall, uh, walked away with some good CLV. Professional better say getting CLV is what's actually the number one most important thing. I don't mean, I'm not a professional better, so I don't know if I agree with that, or I don't know if that serves the purpose I'm trying to serve, but... The point still stands. You want closing line value. So I lock them in on Sunday night or Monday morning. When I give you them while I record Monday night, if the line has already moved, I will tell you if I still like it at the new line or not. I don't want to leave you completely high and dry. If the line has completely moved by the time you listen to this, uh, like later on the week or on Saturday or Sunday, just check my Twitter feed. I'll probably have... I'll, I'll tweet out what my thoughts are on the new line. If something crazy like... Uh, I don't know a suspension or someone gets hurt of practice or there's some breaking news or something I'll let you know how I feel about the updated line um, What else do I got? Oh, I know last week I did not give out a survivor pick I apologize I had a lot of people DMing me They liked it when I gave out my survivor picks last season I did not do that in week one I do apologize uh, I'm going to start doing that this week. I'm also going to give out a teaser play every week like I did last year. Uh, survivor pick, I was thankfully on the Eagles in week one. Uh, very happy about that because all my survivor pools, almost half the people are already eliminated. If the Broncos do end up losing this game outright, uh, more than half the people in all my survivor pools are going to be gone. So thank God I'm out with the Eagles and not with the Colts or the Bengals. So I'm still alive. I'll give you my survivor picks as I lock them in. So I took Eagles first week. Um, I will let you know uh, who I take next um, at the end of the show. I'm going to do that once I get through all of my picks. I'm going to try not to be distracted here as I'm watching Seahawks and Broncos in the background. And finally, I do need to comment. My fucking goddamn Atlanta Falcons did it a fucking get. What was the stat? I don't know if you could hear Daisy in the background. Even she's meowing at it. Even she knows it's goddamn ridiculous. Her own two teams, the Jaguars and Panthers, or... Yeah, Jaguars and Panthers also blew late leads, so she she feels me. We're all in the same boat here. What was the stat that was going around Twitter today, if I can find it here? Uh, after uh, Sunday's loss to the Saints, the Falcons are now 5-3 and three over the last three seasons in games where they led by 15 points in the fourth quarter. All other teams are 244-2-1 two when leading by 15-plus in the fourth. You have to be fucking kidding me. Falcons 5 3 in that situation. Rest of the NFL 244, 2 1. How is that statistically possible? A curse is the only thing that explains. I'd also tweeted out this graphic all the different times over the past number of years, starting with a 28 3 game, which really kicked off the Falcons curse. Uh, All the times they blew late leads 28 3, and then there was a 10 point lead with six minutes left against the Chargers, a 17 point lead in the third quarter against the Dolphins. Uh, Who could forget the uh, 15-point lead with five minutes left in the game against the Cowboys a couple years ago. Uh, 16-point lead against the Bears in the fourth quarter a couple years ago. Uh, What's that? Another 16-point lead against the Buccaneers four minutes ago in the third quarter. And then 16 points against the Saints, 11 minutes left in the game. All within the past handful of years. I'm sick of it. It is aging me. When I die... And let's hope that is not for a long time. You will read in the obituary, cause of death, the Atlanta Falcons. I promise you that. But I will say at the end of the day, they did cover. So at least they covered for me. Uh, I would have been even more shook if I took money line. I did not. Um, I did take plus five and a half. So they, they did at least cover for me. Uh, great teams cover, they say as Broncos are second goal. Great, so this this bet was well within hitting when I started recording this podcast. We'll see how long it'll take until uh, Broncos are going to be covering the 6.5 points. They're going to be losing my Seahawks plus 6.5. It probably won't take long, I'm sure. But let's not waste any more time. I've already ranted enough. Uh, 16 plays, 16 games for NFL Week 2. I have 16 bets locked in. Let's keep it going. Week 1 was a roller coaster. I woke up exhausted today. Yesterday was just adrenaline, red zone, looking at screens, sad about bets, mad about bets, cheering for bets. Having a bet on every single game is exhausting. But we move on. We got a long ways to go. This is the NFL Week 2 episode. Of the Bacon Bets podcast, let's go. No, Lisa. The only monster here is the gambling monster that has enslaved your mother. I call him Gamblor, and it's time to snatch your mother from his neon claws. More bacon than the pan can handle.
0: More bacon than the pan can handle. More bacon than the pan can handle. More bacon than the pan can handle.
1: Alright, here we go. Let's start it off with the Thursday night game. Probably one of the better, if not the best, Thursday night matchups we're going to have all season. It is the Los Angeles Chargers. It is the Kansas City Chiefs. It is two teams who I lost the bets on their games, both of them, in week one. The Cardinals was by far my worst bet of week one. They got absolutely shellacked by the Chiefs. I still don't trust in the Chiefs' defense, but their offense, obviously... Um, and when I spoke to Matt Verderham on our pregame show on Sunday, he did make a good point. Yes, they don't have Tyreek Hill, but the receiving core is deeper than it has been in years past. And I think uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs kind of proved that there against the Cardinals. They He had kind of more guys who were good as opposed to one guy who was exceptional. Um, and obviously he had... A fantastic game. I do blame a little bit of that on the Cardinals' defense, though. They were absolutely terrible. More on the Cardinals here in a little bit. But it gives me hope the Chiefs' offense looked good. Um, I still don't believe in the Chiefs' defense. They might not be as bad as they were last year. I still don't totally believe them. And the Chargers' defense, even though they won. Chargers' defense didn't look great against the Raiders either. So long story short, I'm taking the over Uh, In this game now. I talked about CLV earlier. uh, In the episode in the intro. And about how. um, Oh my god did the Seahawks just pick. um, Did he just pick him off. On fourth and goal. Oh. 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 Oh let's go. Fuck you Russell. Fuck you Russ. Bronco country. Let's ride. Bronco Country. Oh, it was a fumble. Sorry. Sorry, Russell. wasn't your fault. It was a fumble. Oh. Oh, we'll have to see that if that stands. I'm sorry. This is what's. Oh, this is what the whole episode's going to be like. I feel like this is going to be a common theme if I record every Monday night is you're going to get my live reaction to the Monday night game. Uh, Melvin Gordon. It looks like tough. Uh, where was it? Yeah, I was talking about CLV. So I locked this on uh, Thursday uh, at 53 and a half. It is up to 54 and a half. I would still bet the over at fifty-four and a half. Um, if it goes up another point, if it crosses fifty-five, the value might be gone. And then, to be honest, I might even I might even back the Chiefs at minus three and a half instead of the total. But if it's still at 54.5 when you're listening to this, I still like the over. Um, I did lock it in on Sunday as soon as the line was released at 53.5. It was minus 114, though. I am honest about the juice that I lock in. I didn't get it at minus 110. Minus 114, the juice, over 53.5 Chargers Chiefs. I just liked what I saw from both offenses. I don't believe in either defense. I think we're going to see a ton of points in this one. And I'm going to hope for a ton of points because that will make it a fun Thursday night showdown so Chargers Chiefs over 53 and a half I like it up to 55 uh Lions Washington the first Sunday game we're going to talk about this line is still the same as of me talking about it when I locked it on I I am going to take the Lions here minus one and a half very small favorites uh two teams I'm not high on this season uh but I am certainly uh less high on Washington. Uh, Than I am on Detroit. Did you do see the Washington was selling mugs with the Washington Commanders logo on it over top of the Washington State, uh, picture of Washington State. Oh boy, I think that's a kind of a perfect description, a little metaphor for what this franchise is like. They did not deserve to win that Jaguars game, I don't think. They only gained 5.6 yards per play against the Jaguars. They gave up 6.2 yards per play. Wentz did Wentz-like things. He threw two interceptions. Their run game was also non-existent. 28 carries, only 3.0 yards per carry. Um, I don't think the Lions deserve to cover against the Eagles. That was another frustrating one because that was on Eagles minus four. Just the same thing they did all last year. Just they were down 17 points and then they fucking scored 14 unanswered points in the fourth quarter to get a backdoor cover. Like that's so frustrating betting against them. So I'm not gonna do it this time. I mean their offense did look good to be fair. Their defense was still shitty, but their offense was good. I just this is two shitty teams, but I think the Lions are less shitty and they're at home too. Uh, so I'll take the Lions. Minus one and a half. I got a minus one ten. Then we're moving on to the Jets and the Browns here. So a little bit surprised to see the Browns six and a half point favorites. Now I will say about the Jets, uh, and I tweeted this out. Um, I might have got a little too cute uh, with my Jets pick. Ooh, what's the call in this fumble here? I I have it on mute, so I I can't I can't really tell. First down for the shitcocks. Fuck the Broncos, Bronco Country. Let's ride. Um, I might have got a little too cute, or at least that was my initial reaction. Because if you just looked at the box score for the Jets and the Ravens, and if you were watching Red Zone like I was, and you just saw Lamar Jackson torching them and hitting guys wide open and blown coverage, you might have thought the Jet the Jets sucked. But I, statistically, they actually weren't that bad. Actually, they averaged the same amount of yards per play in Week 1, as the Browns did, funny enough, even even though they scored quite a few uh, less points, both the Jets and the Browns got 4.8 yards per play in Week 1. And the Ravens, who are known as a fantastic rush offense, a fantastic running offense, only gained 3.0 yards per carry on 21 attempts. So the Jets stopped the run. They weren't great on offense, but they moved the ball. They just couldn't find the end zone. Um... They did not defend the pass well, though. Uh, Lamar Jackson truly torched them through the air, but not really. He just kind of... There was a few blown coverage plays uh, by the Jets. But the reason why I like the Jets plus 6.5 here at minus 110 is because the Browns' pass attack stunk. Jacoby Brissett was actually a lot worse than I expected him to be. 3.9 yards per pass completed. 18 of 24 passes. Not good. Uh, Obviously, the other run attack was fantastic, But if the Jets could stop the Ravens' rush attack, they might have success um, against the Browns' rush attack. Maybe, or at least enough to cover the 6.5 points. Laying this, like, I'll take the Browns if they're underdogs with Jacoby Brissett. I'm not laying 6.5 points on Jacoby Brissett. Uh, And yeah, I just looked it up. Fewest yards per pass attempt in Week 1, the Browns, 4.3 Fewest by a wide margin, Cowboys. So yeah, Cowboys four point seven was the next worst team. So I'm not laying six and a half points on the team that was literally the worst passing offense in the first week of the NFL season. Not doing it. I'll take Jets plus six and a half, and I'll probably regret betting on the Jets once again. Next, we got the Saints and the Buccaneers, my two uh, two of my three least favorite teams in the NFL facing off here. The old aints and the yucks. Uh, I went back and forth on this one a little bit. I looked at the under. Um, I thought about that. I ended up going Saints plus three here. Uh, Saints needed a big fourth quarter comeback, obviously, to beat my Falcons. I talked about that. But let's realize they had the fourth most yards per play in the NFL in Week 1 at 6.8. Only the Chiefs, Bills, and oddly enough, and I'll talk about them later, Chiefs, Bills, and Giants averaged more yards per play uh, than the Saints did in Week 1. Also, I know the Bucks did kind of pull away from the Cowboys at the end, but I actually didn't love what I saw from the Bucks offense. The offensive line was susceptible. Brady did get pressured. He got sacked twice. Uh, and let's not forget, there wasn't an, uh, a touchdown scored until the third quarter of that game. So the Bucks' defense still obviously looks good. Um, but I don't know. I'll take the three points with the Saints at home. I think they can frustrate Brady and get enough on offense. Once again, an offense that did average uh, 6.8 yards per play in Week 1. I think they can frustrate Brady and get enough done on offense to at least keep this pl- close I'll take the field goal with the Saints at home. Then I, I was did just mention uh, the Giants there. So let's talk about the Giants and Panthers game. Uh, I'm going to go with the Giants and the Panthers. going to go over 42.5. Minus 110 in this one. Love the over in this game. One of my favorite bets of the week. Giants and Titans kind of had an illusion of a defensive battle, but it actually wasn't really. The Giants averaged 6.8 yards per play. Um, just barely above the Saints, uh, when you look at it, when you get, uh, go down to the hundredth of yards, they did, uh, pass the Saints, uh, slightly in yards per play, so third most yards per play in the NFL in week one. Their issue was turnovers. Um, they got down to the red zone at least once, and it resulted in a turnover, uh, so if if they limit those turnovers, Daniel Jones cannot turn the ball over. They're going to score points. They also 7.4 yards per rush. Saquon Barkley might be finally back. Very promising performance from Saquon Barkley. I was very I was probably more impressed with him than anyone else uh, in Week One. What a pass by Geno Smith! Let's go, Geno! Let's go, Geno! Uh, yeah, I think I think uh, most impressive pressing performance in Week One might be Saquon Barkley. Uh, And then there's the Panthers, who, yes, they only averaged 5.2 yards per play last week. But let's not forget they face one of the best defenses in the NFL, in in the Browns. I think they're going to be able to move the ball a lot more against this Giants defense. Um, I still haven't really figured out how good either team is, so I'm not confident on either side. If I had to, I would lay the points with the Giants. But I think this is a great great overbet on a total that's pretty low at 42.5. I'd set it at like 44.5. I think, and it is still at 42 and a half as of recording this. I'd say to like 44 and a half, maybe 45. Uh, so I will take over 42 and a half Giants and Panthers. Uh, Patriots and Steelers. I am going to go with the Patriots minus one. And it is still at minus one as of recording this. The Steelers truly stink. They once again found a way to win a game. They had no business winning and shouldn't have won. They had a turnover different differential of plus 5 and still managed to almost lose. And probably should have. Extra point blocked. Chip shot field goal missed. I mean, either of those go through. They lo- they literally lose the game. They averaged a measly 4.4 yards per play. 3.4 yards per carry. 4.9 yards per pass attempt. I'm just looking this up right now. Uh, 27th. Actually, no, because Denver and Seattle, I I can just tell, by the way, that this game is going to to average more. So 32, 31, 29th uh, in yards per play that the Steelers were in Week 1, 4.4. Patriots, a little bit better, uh, 5.0 yards per play. I don't really trust either team. You could go with the under if you want here. I wouldn't blame you with that pick. Uh, But this is a spot where I'm kind of going to try to not overreact to Week 1 results based off my off-season and pre-season evaluations of both teams The Steelers are much better. I would set the line at Patriots, or sorry, the Patriots are much better. I would set the line at Patriots minus two and a half. So I think we're getting a point and a half of value here. If it goes to three, or maybe if it goes to three and a half, maybe take a look at the under. It's probably not going to move that much, though. Uh, If it would have moved that much, it would have moved at least a little bit by now, and it hasn't. I'll take Patriots minus one, minus 110 against the Steelers. Then we're going to move on to the Colts and the Jaguars. And it is strange to me that the Colts were 8.5 to 7.5. They started at 8.5, moved to 7.5 point favorites over the Texans. Now 4.5 point favorites. uh, Actually, I got them at 4. So 4 point favorites over the Jaguars. Uh, I don't know if 4s are still available. I'm looking at FanDuel right now. They're at 4.5. I still like them at 4.5 regardless, but I did get them at 4. Are the Jaguars 3 to 4 points better than the Texans? I don't think they are. Let's not forget, I know the Colts tied the Texans, but they severely outplayed them. They should have run away with that game. It's similar to the Giants, where a lot of, uh, you know, turnovers down uh, in the Texan zone. Texans got a couple of bounces. I mean, the Colts had 517 yards of total offense compared to only 299 of the Texans. To get 517 yards of offense and only 20 points is impressive, to be honest. Untimely turn- turnovers cost them the inability to score in the red zone. If they fix those two issues, I think they dominate the Jaguars, especially if their defense plays just as good. Uh, their defense of the Colts played fantastic. Houston only averaged 4.4 yards per play. Um, also, are, are we are is the media going to start talking about Trevor Lawrence at any point? I, like no one, he just continues to suck, and nobody really talks about it, which is amazing to me. Only completed 24, 42 passes, 275 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. So, are we, is he still the golden child? Is he still the next Peyton Manning? I mean, I've been calling this since he was in college. I don't think he's that guy. I think he's the guy where he's in a perfect situation, that's on a very good team, that constantly plays lesser teams, he'll do well. But facing adversity and having to make up for some of his teammates' deficits, he's not the guy who can do that. I'll take Colts, minus four. I like it up to minus five and a half against the Jaguars. Dolphins, Ravens. There was a time uh, it was at four and a half, and that's when I locked it in. So I got Dolphins plus four and a half. It is down to three and a half. I do still like the Dolphins at plus three and a half. If it gets to two and a half, if it crosses that magic number into the twos, the value probably shifts over to the Ravens. Uh, But I do like the Dolphins at the number I got. It was at plus 4.5, and and I still do like them at the number of 3.5 here. Um, Once again, and I already talked about the Jets-Ravens game, but if you look at the box score, and if you're watching Red Zone, it seemed like the Ravens ran all over the Jets and crushed them. But statistically, they really didn't. This was supposed to be one of the top running teams in the NFL, and they only averaged 3.0 yards per carry. They did get a couple big scoring plays, but, but this kind of bugs me. There'd be blowing coverage. Lamar Jackson would hit the guy, and then people who were tweeting, "Oh, I thought Lamar Jackson couldn't throw." It's like I don't—he didn't exactly have to fit that throw through a tight window, to be honest. And he did only complete 17 of 30 passes with an interception. So this like wasn't—I mean, yeah, he threw it 50 yards down the field and hit a wide open receiver. I mean, is it not a bad throw? But like, <laughs> I don't know if. That's the, th- like, yeah, he's an NFL quarterback. He should be able to hit a wide open receiver 50 yards down the field. I don't know. People, people, people want to want Lamar Jackson to be like the best quarterback in the NFL, and sure, that'd be great because he's exciting, but I mean, I don't know if that's kind of the, I don't know if going 17 to 30 with an interception against the, against the Jets, um, with at least two of the touchdowns being guys who are wide open and blown coverage, I don't know if that's the example you want to point to. Uh, Hey, maybe he is going to become a great thrower. It's possible. He was a great thrower when he won MVP. I'm not discounting him. I'm just saying let's relax. Uh, Jets also gained 4.9 yards per carry on the ground against the Ravens defense. So the Ravens defense looks susceptible, especially in the run game. I do think the Ravens are probably deserving of being favorites. Like I said, I would set the line at Ravens minus 2.5. Um it's still at three and a half. I think the I think over that magic number of three, the value shifts to the Dolphins. I, and I love the Dolphins at four and a half, which is the number it opened at on Sunday. By the way, Miami's offense didn't look great either. I just kind of trashed uh, the Ravens offense. Miami's offense didn't really look great either. Kind of a similar result, actually. A couple of explosive plays that made them look better than what they were. Still couldn't run the ball effectively, though. Um, but Tua was efficient. 23 of 33 passes completed. I don't know. I think this game's, uh, I think the line's a little bit off. I'll take Dolphins plus four and a half, minus 110. Uh, Now we are getting to the late afternoon games here on Sunday, so we're just going to take a quick break. I will be
2: right back in a moment. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator
1: So I said I was going to take a quick break. I clicked uh, pause on the recording. I turn around and look at the TV. And the Broncos once again fumbled in the end zone. And the Seahawks recovered. <laughs> if I was on the Broncos right now, if I was on Broncos minus 6.5, I'd be fucking pissed. Was it Melvin Gordon again or was it uh, uh, the other guy? Why well, I don't know why well, I'm forgetting. Uh, Javante Williams. Who was it? I don't know. I can't tell. Pete Carroll loves it. He loves it. Pete Carroll, 71 years old, looks fucking fresh. Give me whatever Pete Carroll is having. Damn, I need a two more bubblegum. Uh, okay, so Seahawks plus six and a half. Still looking good. Still time for it to blow up in my face, though. Let's talk about the late afternoon game. going to be looking at Rams-Falcons here. Do you even need to ask me what my pick for this game is? Rams minus 10 and a half. I may take an alt line of minus a million because Aaron Donald might get 12 sacks against his Falcons interior line. I know they didn't give up a sack in week one, but their weakness is the interior of their offensive line. And now they have to go against the best interior defensive lineman potentially of in NFL history. It's going to be a shit show. Uh, now, this is a game that you should not overreact to Week 1 results. The Falcons are not as good as they looked in Week 1 despite losing uh, at the end. And the Rams are certainly not as bad as they looked uh, in the opening game against the Bills. Let's not forget the Falcons' defense allowed 6.8 yards per play to the Saints. And the Saints aren't inherently exactly an explosive offense. That's a gross number. If the Saints got 6.8 yards per play against the Falcons, the Rams will get 8 yards per play against the Falcons, and it'll be a shit show. The only thing that gives me hope if the Falcons were able to cover would be if A.J. Terrell just completely shuts down Cooper Cup and the Matt Stafford is nobody else to go to. But I can't bank on that. I think the Rams are going to eat this Falcons defensive alive. I know they didn't look great against the Bills, but what better team to bounce back against than my shitty Falcons? I don't really have much else to say about this matchup, to be honest. Just from a skill and talent-wise The Rams are a million times better. And I actually think the look ahead of line for this game was 12 and a half or 13 and a half. So now that it's down to 10 and a half, I think that's an overreaction to both teams' week one performance. Um, And you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't make too many assumptions off one week. Rams are leagues above the Falcons. And they're at home. And it's not like the Falcons have a ton of fans. It's like when the Rams hosted a lot of teams, and it was like the case uh, in opening night, it's like an away game for them. No, it'll be a home game for the Rams this, this time. The Falcons have no fans uh, outside of Atlanta. It's like Atlanta and really most of that city doesn't really care about them. Uh, the fans suck at the stadium. And then there's one other Falcon fan outside of um, Atlanta, and that Falcon fan is located in New York and talking to you right now. Rams minus 10 and a half. Bengals Cowboys another knocking or overreact to Week One result. Bengals minus seven here against the Cowboys. I'm not going to judge the Bengals for the Week One loss. A lot of turnovers, um, and maybe and it's something that I should consider. And I might have learned this this season um, is that I should look at guys who didn't quarterbacks who didn't play at all in the preseason. I think starting quarterbacks who didn't play in the preseason. I think and I just like it's one of those times I read a tweet and then just kept scrolling and just kind of didn't really save it or kind of fully register it. I think I read. That starting quarterbacks who didn't play in the preseason went 3-7 and seven in Week 1. I know for a fact Matt Stafford didn't look good and he didn't play in the preseason. And I know for a fact Joe Burrow uh, didn't look good, especially at the start of the game and he didn't play in the preseason. So there might be a little bit to that. Um, but obviously he, he still got a lot better down the stretch of the game. Bengals offense still got 432 total yards. They convert, converted 50% of their third down conversions. If it wasn't for the five turnovers, they would have won that game by a million against Steelers. If they would have had a kicker that could kick it through the up rates from five yards out, um, then they would have won the game anyways. They wouldn't have covered, but... And then you have Cooper Rush... Uh, is obviously going to be the starting quarterback for the Cowboys in this game. I'm not betting on Cooper Rush and this shitty Cowboys team, who didn't even look good with Dak Prescott in. I'm not betting them to be the AFC or even cover against the defending AFC champions. Bengals get back on track in a big way in Week 2 against the Cowboys. Now let's move on to the Seahawks and 49ers. So I locked this bet in Sunday. Uh, as of I'm recording this right now, uh, the lines are obviously taken off the board because the Seahawks are currently playing. Um, and if this stays as is, I bet you I'm going to have a good number on this because my thinking process was uh, I believed in the Seahawks on Monday night. I bet on them on to cover this Monday night. So I said, let me lock it in now. If they play as good as I think they can, then this line's going to be shorter on Tuesday morning. So if that philosophy holds true, then I'll be have a good number. So I got Seahawks plus 9.5 against the 49ers. I'll tell you right now, I would play that down to... Uh, I'd play it down to 7.5 for sure if it crosses the magic number of 7. And if it's all the way down to like 6.5, damn, that makes it tough. I think I might still back the Seahawks. But the way I'll put it, if it's 7 or higher, I take the Seahawks. If it's, if it's below 7, I'm going to have to let you make that call. I got it at 9.5. And, and I was so stupid. This is another stupid bet I placed last week. The Cardinals were one stupid bet that I regret. Uh, most of my bets that I lost I actually didn't regret. I still would make that bet again. Another bet that I regret is uh, the 49ers delay a touchdown against the Bears. That's so dumb. I even said when I gave out the pick, I don't believe in Trey Lance whatsoever. And then, what the fuck did Trey Lance do? He went out and looked like shit. And there's no way I should have bet on the 49ers to cover a 7 point spread with Trey Lance. I know obviously the rain probably played a factor, but Trey Lance stunk. The 49ers offense stunk. He completed 13 of 28 passes with an interception. He stunk. I'm not laying any points on this 49ers team. Especially of a touchdown. Or more. Obviously, the 49ers' defense is still a top-tier unit, but the 49ers might win by final score 9-3 in this game. Who knows? Actually, by the way, if Geno Smith keeps playing this way, Seahawks just might win this game alright. And if it is a 9-3 win, that's not covering a 9.5-point spread. I'll take the Seahawks and the points. I need to see Trey Lance play better before I want to lay any kind of points on this 49ers team, despite them having a good defense uh Broncos Texans the other one that I locked in ahead of time now if this stays as is this might flip on me and I might actually get a bad number on this one I I'm laying the 10 points with the Broncos and the Texans um I had high hopes for the Texans heading into the season I I did win the bet on them the plus eight and a half uh against the Colts in week one but they look bad uh despite the tie, they did not look good in week one. 4.4 4 yards per play, 2.8 yards per carry. F- they gave up 5.7 yards per play and 4.7 yards per rush. Um and also I had high hopes for Damian Pierce. I drafted him in basically all of my fantasy leagues and he sucked. He barely saw the ball. They gave the ball to Rex Burkhead. Davis Mills didn't look didn't look great. Uh I don't know, dude. I'm this is probably me overreacting to week one. And really, they got the tie, so I should be happy with him. But statistically, the Texans stunk. Um, and now this Broncos-Seahawks game isn't over. The third quarter just ended, so a lot could change. And maybe my opinion will change as of tomorrow morning. But what I'm seeing already from this game is the Broncos probably should be winning this game. Two goal-line fumbles. So the Broncos are moving the ball, which is a good sign. If they can move the ball against the Seahawks, they can move the ball against the Texans. Their defense might be a little bit questionable considering Geno Smith looks like an MVP out there. But um, so far, so good. I have no concerns about the Broncos' offense. I think they can cover a big spread against this Texans team that, like I said, even though they won uh, or even though they tied against the Colts, um, uh, didn't like them. Did not like them. Uh, Broncos, minus 10 against the Texans. Cardinals, Raiders. The worst week one team, the Arizona Cardinals. I will not be betting on them in week two. I'll take the Raiders minus three and a half against the Cardinals here. Massively disappointed by the Cardinals. Their offense sucked. Their defense sucked. Um, And I haven't actually calculated net yards per play though. Uh, But the Cardinals got to be last. Because right now I'm looking at it um, 27th in yards per play. Gaining only 4.5. And their defense, dead last, and opponent yards per play, 7.4. So by far, if you look at net yards per play, by far the worst performance of Week 1. Uh, Kyle Murray looked like he didn't really care out there. He looked lackadaisical. And the tra- Raiders lost to the Chargers, but kind of a similar situation as some of the other teams have talked about. If they didn't turn the ball over, they kind of deserved to win that game. They gained 5.7 yards per play compared to the Chargers at 5.5. Uh, Devontae Adams looked fantastic. Um, so I like the Raiders quite a bit in this game, uh, and I'm just kind of mad at the Cardinals because I made them one of my best bets last week to cover against the Chiefs, and they got their fucking asses kicked. Just a despicable performance for a team that was in the playoffs last year. Raiders. Minus 3.5, minus 110 against the Cardinals. Next up, we got the Sunday night football matchup. It is the Packers. Uh, it is the Bears. Is there only three late afternoon games next week? No, there's no, there's five, four, five. Okay, I don't know, I don't know what I'm, i I, don't know. Time flies when you're recording a podcast. Um, Packers Bears, a Sunday night football game here. I'm going to take the under. Um, and look at that. I'm just looking at this now. I got a good number on it. I got under 44 minus 110. It is down to under. It's down to 42 and a half. Uh, but I when I wrote these notes when I locked in the bet, I even wrote I set this total at 41 and a half so it is at 42 and a half I still think you're getting a point of value on the under if you want to bet it if, if it's down to 41 and a half then it's a scratch, do what you want if it dips below 41 and a half the over might have value but like I said, I set the under at 41 and a half I got the under at 44 last night the Packers put up 7 points and only 5.5 yards per play against a below average borderline bad Vikings defense that is not a good sign I had a concern that Aaron Rodgers would have issues with his lack of good receivers, and he certainly did. During the pregame show with Matt Verderam on Sunday, I was saying that, and someone chimed in the chat and said, Aaron Rodgers has had nobody to throw to his whole career, and he's still done well. What the fuck is that guy talking about? Devontae Adams has been one of the best receivers in the NFL the past five years. Before that, he had guys like Jordy Nelson. What the fuck is... Aaron Rodgers has always had at least one really good receiver. I don't know what that guy's talking about. Aaron Rodgers was visibly frustrated the entire game. Um, And then you look at the Bears. They only averaged 3.6 yards per play, uh, which was the lowest amount of the week. Obviously, some of that can be forgiven due to the rain. um, But still, we know this is a bad offense. No offensive line. No receivers. I'm still not sold on Justin Fields. And Aaron Rodgers is known to throw to. So I think this is going to be a boring defensive slugfest on Sunday night I got under 44 um, but I like it all the way down to uh, under 41 and a half Gino Smith slinging it no incomplete you have to punt it back um, so then let's move to Monday night and if you don't know we got a little Monday night uh, it's not even it's not technically a double header because uh, they'll both be going on at the same time but the first one is Titans Bills Um, This is actually the first game I bet. I thought this line was going to get in the double digits. It still hasn't, which is surprising. But I'm taking Bills minus nine and a half. I mean, let's not overreact to week one, but the Bills looked absolutely fucking fantastic. And the Titans stink. The Titans stink. Lost to the Giants, like I called. And you know what else I called? Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry. King Henry. God like Henry, we should be getting on our knees and kissing his feet. Henry averaged 3.9 yards per carry against the Giants. That's what I think about that. Hey, I love Derrick Henry when he was in his prime, but I can't let feelings get in, get in the way of handicapping, and the writing has been on the wall for Derrick Henry. He's taken a huge step back this year, and that is not good news for the Titans because that is The Titans entire offense bills i might take alternate alternate line bills minus 21 i think they win this game by a million points they did lose to the titans last year though so that makes me a little bit nervous but bills gained 7.1 yards per play against one of the best defenses in the nfl if they didn't turn the ball over they would have turned the ball over four times they would have beat the rams by a million that night and now they're taking on uh, a titans team who only gained six yards per carry against the giants Realistically, I set this spread at minus 12.5, so I think we're getting three points of value, which is insane. Maybe I'm overreacting to week one performances. That is certainly possible, but I'll lay the nine and a half points with the Bills, which leads me to the final game. And you're probably wondering, Ian, why haven't you given out an underdog pick yet? You hit, you went 3-0 in underdogs last week, underdog money line picks. Um, I only have one. I'm sorry. There is no, none. There is no other ones that I. And to be fair, there are a lot of big spreads. Not a great under underdog moneyline week. But here it is. Moneyline underdog alert. Moneyline underdog alert. Minnesota Vikings. I got a plus plus one twenty five. I'm looking at that Fanduel. At least it's down to plus one hundred two. So uh, not getting quite the number I got. But as long as the Vikings are set as underdogs in this game against the Eagles, I like them. Uh, I was getting worried about the Vikings because everyone in sports betting was hyping them up. But they truly delivered in every sense in Week 1. Their offense was electric. Justin Jefferson looked like the best receiver in the NFL. Even their defense was better than I thought they'd be. 6.5 yards per play against a pretty solid Packers defense. 4.5 yards per carry. 8.2 yards per pass attempt. And and, uh, they only allowed 5.5 yards per play on defense. I am surprised that they're not favored. I think the Vikings should be favored in this game. I'd set the Vikings as like a one and a half, two and a half point favorite. And this is a a battle between two teams I was high on heading into the season. But the Eagles defense looked susceptible. Allowed 5.8 yards per play. Statistically, they played a worse game than the Vikings. And they played against a much easier opponent. And without even looking too deep into the Week 1 matchups, I still like the Vikings. Like I said, high on both of them heading in the season, but higher on the Vikings. And I still need to see more from Hurts in terms of passing ability. Completing only 18 of 32 passes isn't a great completion percentage. I will say A.J. Brown did look fantastic, though. But what the hell happened to Devontae Smith? He was invisible. He got me zero fantasy points, a bum. So yeah I will take uh, I'll take the Vikings to win out right so there we go those are my picks I'll slowly go through them here and then I'll give you my survivor pick I'll give you my teaser pick and I'll give you my top five bets so here we go from the top Chargers Chiefs over 53 and a half Lions minus one and a half versus Washington Jets plus six and a half against the Browns Saints plus three minus 110 against the Buccaneers Giants, Panthers over 42.5 minus 110 Patriots, minus 1, minus 110 against the Steelers I'm just going to stop saying minus 110 unless it's different, it's minus 110 Uh, and earlier I should have said Chargers Chiefs over was minus 114 Uh, Colts, minus 4 Dolphins, plus 4.5 Rams, minus 10.5 Bengals, minus 7 Seahawks, plus 9.5 And I will play that down to 7.5, depending on what the line is tomorrow when it opens. Broncos, minus 10. Raiders, minus 3.5. Packers, Bears, under 44. I'll play down to under uh, 41.5. Bills, 9.5. Play that all the way up to 12.5. And Vikings, plus 125 on the money line against the Eagles. My survivor pick this week after getting at least a little bit risky last week with the eagles gonna keep it very simple this week i'm just gonna take the rams to beat my falcons number one they are the biggest favorite in this week in week two. Second reason matt stafford's elbow did possibly look questionable if you want to use the rams as a survivor pick i would recommend you do it early in the season Because if that elbow becomes an issue later on the season, the Rams are going to become unplayable from a Survivor standpoint. So if there's a good team that you want to get out of the way, none make more sense to the Rams this week. Um, And you probably still have the Rams. because Well, I mean, if you took the Rams last week, then you would have lost anyway. So if you're in Survivor still, you have the Rams left. Use them now before it's too late. This is going to be one of their biggest mismatches of the season because their season is relatively difficult to schedule. And Matt Stafford's elbow is only going to get worse As the season goes on. So just take the Rams now. It's the easiest Survivor pick you'll have all season. And I'll talk to you in week 3 about Survivor. Teaser. Going to take the Rams from minus 10.5 down to minus 4.5. Bills from minus 9.5 down to minus 3.5. So Rams minus 4.5. Bills minus 3.5. I know neither cover the magic number of 3. They both do at least cover the magic number of 7. Little 6 point teaser for you. And my top 5 picks this week. Giants-Panthers over... Rams, minus ten and a half. Raiders, minus three and a half against the Cardinals. Packers, Bears, under. And Bills, minus nine and a half. Thank you all for watching. I appreciate it. Please rate the podcast on whatever you listen to it on. That truly helps us out. Uh, Leave a little review that helps us out even more. Follow me on Twitter, at IanMacBets. I'll be on Daily Bet Slip every day this week. From Monday to Thursday, well, I guess this is Monday night when I'm recording it, so from Tuesday to Thursday, Vegas Insider, 11 a.m. Thursday and Friday, and myself and Matt Verderam will once again uh, be having a, we will have a pregame show starting at 12 p.m. on Sunday. Thank you all for listening. I love you all. Gambler, bless. I'll talk to you all next week.
2: download the viator app now and use code viator 10 for 10 percent off your first booking in the app find travel experiences for you do more with viator
1: ohio ready for some quick mental health facts let's go nearly two million ohioans live with a mental health condition in the u.s more than 50 of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime